listening to Ask the Pastor. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Thad Yessa, and I'm really excited to dive into this week's question. This week's question comes to us from a conversation had after one morning worship here at West Hills. And the question is, why do we recite the same benediction every Sunday after worship at West Hills? Kind of the full context for um, the question. Pastor Will, I don't understand why we say the same benediction at, er- at the end of every worship service. I know the Great Commission is important, but why are we exalting it over any of the other various commands that God has given us in Scripture? When Jesus was asked what the greatest command was, he said, love God and love others. So why don't we make that our weekly benediction and our church's vision statement? I, I speaking now as Pastor Will, I, I love this question. I can't tell you how much I love it. Um, it really does get to the heart of who we are as a church, or at least who we're striving to become at West Hills. Um, and I love it so much that I actually brought it up at our last uh, elders meeting this past weekend because you know I want all of us as elders to know the kinds of questions that are on um, you guys' uh, hearts and minds and the kinds of questions that we as leaders of the church need to be prepared to answer and be on the same page about. And so uh, let me first uh, give just some context for the question because we may, I, I hope that we may have some listeners or some of you who might watch this on our public uh, Facebook page here uh, who are not regular West Hills attenders and might not be familiar with kind of what we do at West Hills now. So for the longest time, here we uh, receive different benedictions every week, uh, but typically it was just that. It was the congregation receiving a benediction. And so back before I um, was lead pastor, Pastor Gary or Scott, uh, or worship pastor or myself, one of us would uh, invite everyone to stand up at the end of our worship service and uh, receive a benediction. And we might um, read a passage of scripture that's typically identified in, in the Bible as a benediction. Number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Uh, or Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I um, honestly, as as you know, associate pastor at that time and, and even you know, first thing kind of taking over as lead pastor, I didn't think too, too much of that. Um, it's, it's, you know, biblical. Um, these benedictions are straight from the Bible often. It's great. Kind of just the purpose is really to kind of put a nice bow on the worship service, tie things together. If we're honest, most of us probably have kind of hit our attention limit span by that point. You know, we're pushing 75, 80 minutes of the service at that point. You've just listened to a 40-minute sermon. You're probably thinking more about brunch than anything, if you're honest. Um, but pretty shortly after taking over, as lead pastor last year, I listened to a sermon from David Platt, who is uh, my favorite pastor, as I've told y'all, in which he referenced the fact that at um, his church, McLean Bible Church, they use the same benediction every week. Uh, the Great Commission from Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always uh, to the end of the age. Because... Platt said, I want my people to remember every week that as they're leaving and they're heading back out into the world for another six days and 22 and a half hours until they return, 
again next Sunday, that they're not just killing time until next Sunday, that as believers, we're not just killing time here on earth until we get to heaven. This, this life, this, this earth is not intended to be a, a waiting room. It's a mission field. We are all called to be missionaries. We are commissioned to be missionaries and to view our spheres of influence as mission fields, um, that we don't come to church just to get fed, that we have been called to feed others as well. We think of Jesus's last conversation with Peter in John 21, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. That's not just the job of the pastor. I, you know, our sort of philosophy of ministry at at West Hills and really should be at, at any church um, is that my job is my role as a pastor is Ephesians four to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So then you all are actually the ministers out on the front lines. I'm just the coach. I'm the cheerleader. My role is to make sure that you've got the nourishment that you need to not only stay spiritually healthy for yourself, but then to be able to turn around and go feed others with, uh, the spiritual milk. Um, you know, to pass it on, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8, because God desires the good news of his salvation to extend to every corner of the earth, Matthew 24.14. This is a massive calling then, and so it's going to take a massive all-hands-on-deck, full-time job kind of approach from all of us, not just those of us in professional vocational ministry. And so, you know, I hear this sermon from, from Platt about a year ago, I get con- convinced. I love the idea. So I talked to Scott and we make the change in our worship service. And I think we did do some teaching on it the first few weeks so that people, uh, you all wouldn't be confused and think that we had actually accidentally forgotten to change the benediction slide from the previous week uh, on, on our projector. No, this is, this is actually the intentional plan going forward is to um, is to recite Matthew 28 um, each week with one another, and, and here's why. Um, and we kind of explain that. So uh, that's why, you know, I, the worship leader starts by saying, church, having now heard the, the word of God, having been set free by the gospel of Jesus, having been empowered by the Holy Spirit, how will you now respond to God's calling on your life this, this, this week? And I, I type those words up uh, for Scott. I, I like it because... It reminds us of God's Trinitarian nature, uh, the role of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, not only in our worship service, but in our response to what God has done in the worship service, that we're being called to respond this next week, that this this worship service is intended uh, to, to motivate us and, and propel us forward um, as the church to go out and, and reach the world. It, I like it because it gives me, the pastor, a good accountability check each week on the sermon. I mean, if I'm, if we're going to ask the congregation this question, uh, having heard the word of the Lord, having been set free by the gospel of Jesus, having been empowered by the Holy Spirit, then it's incumbent on me as as the, the pastor, the preacher, I better be sure that I've actually preached the word, not just some self-help tips that I thought that, that you guys might want to hear, but I better have preached the word if we're going to ask, you know, how are you going to respond to the word? I better have preached the gospel, not just, you know, here's what this particular passage of the Bible, I think, says. Now go and try and live it out. Try your best. Um, no, I better preach the gospel that you can try all you want, but you will fail 
because we're sinful and we need a Savior, and uh, we have a Savior, and our only hope in life and death is that our eternal security rests in His righteousness and not our own. And so that's, you know, I, it gives an accountability check that we that I've preached the gospel that actually has the power to set people free from um, themselves and, and, and our enslavement to ourselves and to sin. Um, and then, you know, that whole being empowered by the Holy Spirit, if I don't remind uh, us as a congregation that because of the gospel, we've actually now been called to respond to what God has done for us, that we've not just been left on our own to try and, you know, muster up the, the courage and the, 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 the self-will and the strength to go and make disciples. But no, Jesus says, and remember the context of Matthew 28, the very last part, behold, I can command you this because I am with you always, even to the end of the age. His spirit now lives in us. It is Christ's spirit that um, enables us, empowers us to go uh, and, and make disciples and do what he's left us to do, to be the light and salt that he's called us to be in the world. And so regardless of the passage that we're, we're addressing each Sunday in, in our sermons, uh, if you don't leave feeling some sort of conviction and some sort of challenge about how God is calling you to respond and apply and put that into practice in your real world, everyday life application, then this message that you've just heard, and once again, I, I failed you if, if, if you're not leaving with that. Because our sanctification is a lifelong journey. None of us has ever arrived. Life is too short for us to just coast. There's too much hurt in the world. There's too much ministry that needs to happen around us. We believers need that weekly reminder to stay after it. As Paul says, to fight the good fight, to finish the race. It's a marathon and not a sprint. And we need that weekly reminder that we're in a race. We're in a battle. Every week that we don't live on mission, every week that we don't make disciples and teach them to obey everything he's commanded, it's, it's a week that we've wasted. We've wasted an opportunity, and we don't want to waste the next week. And so we're going to remind ourselves each week, I'm going to go and I'm going to make disciples. Because you can only say that so many times before you actually start to do it, or else you just you know, feel annoyed and, and bad enough about you know, saying, lying to God every Sunday that you just decide to go be at a church where you're not going to be asked and held to that standard of, hey, we want to be a disciple-making church. Um, and so that's that's the kind of church we want to be, you know. Um, so now, with that said, let me come back here to the, the last part of the question that, from this anonymous congregant who, who kind of confronted me with this. So when Jesus was asked what the greatest command was, he said, love God and love others, why don't we make that our weekly benediction and our church's vision statement? And again, great, honest, follow-up question. Let me just try and answer it for us with an analogy, okay? Imagine that you have developed a relationship with me as your pastor, as your friend, and you've grown to love me. Imagine that I love you perfectly, okay? I know we're getting really far-fetched here, but um, imagine that I am just perfectly loving you, caring for you. I'm always looking for ways to bless you and to serve you as your pastor and your friend. Your natural response is to want to love me in return, right? Now imagine, that's our relationship. Now imagine you're hiking out at Castlewood State Park one day and you're up on those high bluffs that overlook the river and you venture out 
to the edge of one of the cliffs to take a picturesque selfie. And as you do, you notice someone hanging off the side of the cliff, 80 or 100 feet up, uh, up in the air, barely hanging onto a rope that's attached to a tree that looks like it could be uprooted and give way any moment, okay? Now imagine that you take a closer look and you realize that the person hanging from the end of the rope is Ellery. It's my daughter. Now I ask you, as her father, what is the most loving thing that you could do for me, for your pastor and your friend who you claim to love? What is the most loving thing that you can do in that moment? Do you think that what means the most to me is your faithfulness to drop by my house once a week for an hour to spend time with me? That's important to our relationship. I, I, I might love our time together. But in that moment, is it most important that you pick up the phone and, and call me? Um, you know, you, you, you see my daughter there hanging from the rope. Do you pick up the phone and, and give me a call to tell me how much you love me? Do you sing songs to me? See, this is why, if we remember back to the sermon on racial injustice from a few weeks ago from Amos chapter 5, the prophet Amos warned the Israelites that God wasn't even listening to their songs anymore. He despised their feasts because they used the same hands that they lifted to God on Sunday, or in their case on Saturday. They used those same hands to turn around Monday through Saturday and afflict and oppress their neighbors. And the same holds true for us today, Christians. We who have been saved in order to serve, who have been redeemed in order to be empowered as Christ's ambassadors, his messengers, commissioned to preach the gospel to all creation, Mark 16, 15. If we use our tongues on Sundays to sing God's praises, but fail to use those same tongues Monday through Saturday, to tell others who do not know Jesus about the good news that they can be reconciled to a holy God that they're currently separated from in their sin if they will just trust in Christ. If we fail to do that, then I believe that God is very clear that he will also reject our worship on Sundays. Yes, the most important commandment is to love God. And yes, the second most important commandment is to love people. But there is nothing more loving toward God and loving toward others that you and I can give our lives to than the work of the Great Commission. We have the privilege of playing a part, not, not the decisive part. I cannot pull anyone up off from the cliff. God has to call and change a sinner's heart. But friends, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You may be the only sermon that some of your friends and family members, your co-workers, your neighbors, your server at the restaurant you go out to eat at, you may be the only sermon they hear preached. We cannot take for granted that the unbelievers around us in St. Louis know Jesus and simply choose to reject him. The cruel irony of the information age in which we now live is that there is more bad information circulating now than ever. There's more 
misconception about what Christianity is and what it truly means to follow Christ than ever before. People need to hear the truth of the gospel today more than ever. And if God has sovereignly orchestrated your life and my life, our sphere of influence, such that we know someone who is hanging off the cliff, someone that God has created in his image for his glory, for relationship with him, and yet in their sin, they're estranged from him. And, and we know how desperately God desires for them to turn and to repent and to trust him in faith so that they can have a, a saving relationship with him. And we have the opportunity to witness. We can't pull him up off the rope, but we can beg with them. We can plead with them. We can, we can tell them. We can show them with our lives every chance we get that there is a better way. We can, we can model for them and show them, witness the, the joy and the peace and the hope that only comes from new life in Christ. If we, we have that opportunity and we withhold it from them because we're too shy, because we're too scared of offending them, or whatever the excuse might be, then friends, I am, I'm just speaking as a father right now of that child hanging off the cliff in imminent danger I would just say, don't pretend like you love me if you refuse to do everything that is within your power to do to help rescue her. 1 John 4, 21, this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And the most loving thing that you and I can do for sinners destined for hell is to warn them and to encourage them that there is a different kind of life available to them. So that is why the Great Commission is our benediction every Sunday. That is why our vision statement as a church is to make disciples who reach all of St. Louis with the good news of Jesus. And once every St. Louisan has heard, not the version they think Christianity is about, but the true gospel, Every once every St. Louisan has had the opportunity to accept or reject Jesus, and, and we've presented, and, and we're praying for them and with them, then I guess at that point we can just expand the vision and begin thinking about our own Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. But until that day, you know, we have so many opportunities right here in our own backyards. And so my prayer for you as a pastor, my, my, commission, my, my encouragement and challenge and exhortation to you as, as not just a pastor, but a brother in Christ, a co-laborer in the mission field is... Let's get after it, church. Let's stay after it. And that's my prayer for us this week. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each and every week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at www.westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.